episode of The Coding Career with me, Cameron Blackwood. Today's guest is Tom Groobridge. Tom is actually one of the first bootcamp graduates in the UK, so he was one of the first people to go through the process of learning to code in a matter of weeks, rather than going to a computer science uh, degree and going down that conventional route. So he's got a fascinating story to tell. In the years since this, he's become a senior software engineer, but it hasn't been without some bumps on the way, and he'll tell you all the lessons he's learned from that experience. If you're currently trying to break into tech, or if you're even just curious, Tom's episode will be particularly good because he's actually running a course for people that are very new to the industry. So listen in for more details. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and remember the best way to get in touch with me for feedback or ideas is via our Discord server. You can find a link to that in the description. But for now, grab a coffee, push those commits, and enjoy the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for joining me today for the first in-person Code a Career podcast. It's an honor. Thank you, Cameron. Yeah, I'm super excited, um, and I couldn't turn down the opportunity to come up to Edinburgh. Well, you fancy um, like a bit of rain, you know, coldest know, high winds. <laughs> we have picked the coldest month, I feel, um, and we haven't uh, we haven't packed accordingly. Oh no! Um, so we've been wandering around the city, freezing, but thoroughly enjoying ourselves. But very chilly. Yeah, it's a great city, but uh, yeah. it is very very windy. Um, so for for listeners who aren't familiar with who you are, do you want to give a bit of a uh, overview about who, who you are, what, what you spend your days doing? Yeah, sure. So. Um, I am a senior software developer at a bank called Zopa. Um, Zopa was originally uh, one of the first peer-to-peer lenders um, and have now moved into this sort of new age bank industry. Um, I actually started um, at Zopa about six and a half, seven years ago as a junior developer um, and have been there ever since, um, sort of rising through the ranks um, and are now a senior engineer um, and absolutely loving it still. Fantastic. And also as well, there's obviously your other project as well. There is, there is. So um, um, uh, I absolutely love teaching. Um, and from my background of learning to code, uh, I learned at a boot camp and um, learned quite late on uh, and have been teaching over the last few years. Anyone who's interested to learn a bit about um, software development or tech in general. Um, And from that has spawned this Tom Teaches Tech uh, company where we uh, support people from absolutely zero knowledge up to the place where they are thinking about maybe making a career in tech and beyond um, and now about to start running part-time boot camps for these people to make the leap into the software development industry. Fantastic, because you, yeah. you come from a boot camp background yourself, but you must be fairly on in the boot camp scene then. Uh... Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I joined, so I, I did boot camp called Makers Academy, um, and it, I think Makers was one of the first boot camps mm. out there. Um, and when I joined them, I think I was in the second cohort, so I was probably in the first sort of 10 people to do this course. Um, and it sounded bonkers. It was, you know, their whole thing was learn to code in three months, you know, get a, get a job and start earning money straight away. Um, and at the time I was 19 and I thought, you know, I saw, I'm in an RE, do I go to university? Um, and I think I was going to go study politics at at Birmingham. Um, and I really wasn't sure why I was going to do that. I think I just, um, got a position and thought, yeah, great. I'll do that. Um, and instead I went to Makes Academy and I did this course, um, to the surprise, I think my parents as well, they weren't sure, you know, like, hang on, are you sure you want to do this? It's a lot of money. And what are you going to get out at the end of it? And actually, it's probably the best thing I've ever done. Um, learning to code has opened so many doors that I didn't even know existed. Um, but it was a, I think I felt it was a big risk at the time. Um, it wasn't a proven concept in the industry to, uh, which I didn't know at the time, obviously, because I had no understanding of the world of tech, but it wasn't common for people to sort of do these boot camps and get jobs. So um yeah it was a risk looking back on it but at the time it it was a fantastic experience and um, a lot of hard work but yeah I I would recommend for people to learn to code because the industries are out there now we could have ended up in halls together because I went to Birmingham oh really so yeah what year what year would you have gone I would have gone uh 2012 I believe oh you would have been year above me but probably probably could have ended up bumping into each other absolutely it's uh yeah um yeah, I mean, Birmingham's great, but uh, I do think that 
certainly my earnings and experience would be better if I just instead of going to uni had just gone to a boot camp. But I don't regret. I always go over this on on the podcast. I don't regret. I did a business degree. Yeah. I don't regret it. But sometimes I wish. Oh man, it'd be great to have that extra experience by now. Yeah, I, I think. Um, I think if I did go to university, I wouldn't have regretted it either. Yeah. Um, I mean, UAB, the student union's great. Um, like exactly. the drinking was fun, you know, yeah. sports night. The lectures, not so much, but, you know, no. it was great. <laughs> and I've had, um, I have older siblings who both went to university um, and I sort of grew up in that uh, environment of watching them go to uni, having great fun. Um, and it was all, uh, for me growing up, it was always on the cards to go to university. Um, but when it got to the point where I had to make a decision, I really wasn't sure why I wanted to go and obviously the fees had gone up by then um, and it was a massive financial investment Um, but yeah I think you know everyone's got to find their own way you know at that age I don't I think a lot of people are sort of fumbling around in the dark not sure what they want to do Um, but yeah it's a brave decision uh, to go and do that it's quite (laughs) impressive and I mean yeah the loan thing is yeah I mean I won't say on the podcast how much I still owe but I (laughs) I looked yesterday and oh no, no yeah i know <laughs> think very carefully if you're list- if you've just left school i'm not saying going to university is a bad thing i still encourage it especially if it's good uni but think very carefully about how much you have to pay back and when uh, and 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 don't take all the maintenance if you don't need it <laughs> because it is a loan anyway this isn't a personal finance <laughs> podcast and this isn't like cam's financial regrets podcast because that could go on a long time and uh, you you've come all the way to edinburgh not not to hear about my personal finance woes so let's go along with the quick fire questions um yeah. Obviously, this is a common fixture on the code of career now, so it's always interesting to compare notes to previous guests. Um, and obviously, you've come, you've come through uh, uh, meeting Ben Reed and, and meeting me Absolutely, by him. Yeah. Um, so Ben had some really cool answers to this. So curious to uh, see uh, how, how yours stack up as well. Um, what was your first ever computer? Yeah, so I was thinking long and hard about my answer to this question, and I do remember Ben's answer being very exciting. I think he was quite young when he got his yeah. first computer, and um, for me growing up, uh, I wasn't really interested in, in computers at all. So I didn't really own my own computer. I, you know, I borrowed maybe my parents' computer to, um, you know, go on MSN or uh, Bieber or whatever it was at the time. Um, but I only really started getting into technology at sort of um, just before I started the boot camp. So really my first computer was when I was sort of 18, 19 years old. Um, and I got a MacBook Pro, um, sort of a 13-inch sort of a mid um 2012 edition um and it was really the only reason i got it was because they sort of said you know if you want to do these boot camps you do need to get yourself a a a laptop or a macbook um so yeah really up until that age um i never really owned my own computer it's pretty wild so you literally got a computer to code that is a very yeah it was um looking back on it you think what were you thinking um (laughs) you know but at the time it was all very exciting i think when you're young you believe you you can really do anything um so yeah, we just sort of dove into it and and had to get uh, get a laptop or else I wouldn't have been able to learn. Fantastic. And in terms of your your favourite tech city, you're you're from London, right? Yeah. And you you live there now. Yeah. Is London that or or is it elsewhere? It's hard to look past London. Um, I've sort of lived and worked in London for close to sort of nine years now um and the tech scene is enormous you know you obviously have a lot of the big companies there but there are so many exciting you know companies doing a lot of um exciting stuff in london and you you go into these office buildings and you hear of companies you've never heard of doing actually amazing things um i do love the tech scene and there's a great community there for meetups um i have worked in other cities so uh with zopa um we work a bit in barcelona and Barcelona is a very exciting city. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and so vibey as well. So much to do. Um, so I would recommend to anyone, you know, if you're looking for somewhere to go for a bit, Barcelona is a great opportunity. I am actually going to Lisbon next month um, to go and work out there for a bit, which I'm super excited about. I've heard amazing things about Lisbon, never done it. Um, but for me, I think I'll stick with London yeah. as being, you know, it's, it's a massive tech hub now. It doesn't really get much better than London. No, right? I, 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 I've obviously left, but I, I miss it, and it is very cool. Uh, yeah. Like the tech scene down there. Um, Lisbon you get a chance is, to go down still. Yeah. So um, I, by the time this podcast comes out, I think I will now again be working for a London-based company. Yeah. Uh, so whilst I'll be up here in Edinburgh and listeners know I love my Silicon Glen uh, and it is great up here but um, you know it'll be great to be back down in London every now and again Um, I don't see myself moving back down uh, but 
yeah, it will be uh, it'll be cool. Um, so potentially by the time this comes out, or very close to it, I'll be working mm. as an engineer at Holland and Barrett. So this is the announcement. Amazing. Hopefully, I've told everyone the work. Fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> by this point, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to get started. And uh, Lisbon's an interesting one because that must be the tenth time it's come up on the podcast. Yeah. It, there are big things happening there. I've never visited. We're talking about going this year, actually. And yeah. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, I've actually joined this sort of online community um, called Nomad List, and it sort of ranks the cities um, of the best places to go and work um, as like a remote developer. And Lisbon just keeps popping up. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's good value for money. Obviously, you get fantastic weather pretty much all yeah. year round. Um, and food, I mean, <laughs> a massive thing for myself and my partner is we absolutely love food. Um, and yeah, the, the Lisbon food scene looks ridiculous so yeah. we're very excited to do it yeah christian who was on here a few weeks yes. ago was saying um steakhouses and seafood yeah. are where you want to go in uh, in lisbon also handy as well because it is literally on our time zone here in the uk so I know. um that is great because you hear about all these people like i always wonder how these people that move to thailand or vietnam it's <laughs> like that sounds great like great yeah. weather like cheap cost of living but how do you deal with being like nine hours like out of sync with you know, with the UK. Yeah, absolutely. And actually a few years ago, um, I, I have a brother and he lives in Sydney and, um, I, he, uh, had his first child and I decided to go out and, um, sort of introduce myself yeah. to this new member of the family. Um, but decided to work at the same time. So, you know, I went to Zopra and said, I, I need to go out. Um, and we came to some sort of arrangement where I would work four hours on, um, London time and four hours on Sydney time. And I thought, oh, great, fantastic. Went out um, and found it really hard um, trying to sort of set your day up again and say, right, I'm going to work four hours and then I'm going to, you know, take the middle of a day off and then I'm going to go have dinner with my brother um, and then I've got to go back to work again for yeah. four hours. It's very hard to get yourself into that um, body clock. Yeah, for me, dinner as well is the hard limit. Anything off yeah. that, I can't code. Probably because I have a beer with it, but exactly. Like, <laughs> there's something psychological and I've been... I've. The, the kind of something interesting if you if you chronicle the code of career um you, you will have heard about how i've gradually become a morning person yes in the first podcast yes. with nico i'm telling him yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to become a morning person i'm trying to get out of bed by half eight now i'm getting to the point where i'm at, at half six now and i'm gradually getting oh, to the point where i'm coding in the morning yeah. um because yeah i just can't code past dinner time like it's impossible no for me. everyone's no. different but yeah yeah i everyone is different and i think you know you're not always set in that way as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm very much an evening person. I would love to be a morning person. My partner is is a, a real morning person. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I just can't get, yeah. I, I think, you know, my brain works best in the evenings and, you know, I might just turn the laptop on at sort of 11 o'clock and do a couple of hours just because... Nice. I can, I suppose. It's another tally for the night hours then, because one of the quick fire yeah, questions is of course. early bar, early bird or night owl. And um, yeah, yeah so I think early birds are just winning, but um, I think that's because the recruiters I have on my show all tend to be early birds. I see. And it's probably about, it's still 70% developers, but it's like 30% recruiters, I think, push it towards yeah. the early birds. And most devs do still seem to be night owls. And when you are working, you know, be it late at night, mm. be it in Australia, what kind of music do you like to uh, listen to? Yeah, so um, I, I feel like I cannot code without something on. Yeah. Um, it really sets me up to be able to, you know, it gets me in the zone. Um, and it really varies. So I go through like a couple of months at a time mm. listening to something. And at the moment, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but NPR, Radio Station oh, in America, yeah. They do um, these tiny desk uh, sort of music gigs and they get an artist in for 15 minutes uh, and literally into their office and they put them in the corner in this tiny desk um, and they play a couple of songs and, it, and it's fantastic. You know, I love live music. Yeah. And um, for me at the moment, that is something I keep going back to. And I'm not always listening to new people. I have sort of some favorites I love going yeah. back to. Um, but again, that will change. And probably the only consistent thing I listen to when I'm coding is uh, like lo-fi hip hop. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Absolutely, yeah. Uh, if I'm stuck or in a rut, it's quite nice. It calms me down and makes, <laughs> makes me feel like I can start again and have a clean state if I'm if I'm struggling with some code. Yeah, definitely. I, I always end up coming back to that. Drum and bass as well is a big one yeah. uh, that I end up coming back to. And um, obviously, we, we talked about how you, for someone that doesn't actually have a computer science degree, you got into code at a very young age, younger than someone who did a computer science yeah. degree because you, you started working as a 19-year-old. But before that, um, casting back to maybe the primary school days, what did you want to do for a job? Uh, well, I've always been uh, a sports fanatic. Oh, um, nice. And I, you know, no matter what that sport is, I will watch it. Yeah, because we were chatting day. rugby offline. We were, we? Yeah. we were. <laughs> um, and uh, growing up, I come from a family that um, played a lot of hockey. Oh, nice. um, and I, I played hockey since sort of the age of four. Um, but really, when I was a kid, um, I wanted to be a cricket player. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, one of my sort of most memorable memories of um, of sport is watching the O five Ashes uh, when England won it. For people who don't know, England beat Australia um, in the UK for the first time in twenty years. Um, and for me, that was it. That's all. After watching that, all I wanted to do was, you know, become an Andrew Flintoff. Um, unfortunately, the ability wasn't quite there. So uh, the older I got, the more I realised maybe cricket isn't for me. Um, but yeah, as a kid, sport was always the one, um, and still play to this day. But unfortunately, not to the level I would have dreamed to as a child. I was absolutely useless at cricket. I loved sports, but like I think it requires such a degree of concentration when yeah. you're fielding. And when I was not the best at keeping concentration as a child, like the thing about rugby or ice hockey, which are the two main sports I played, it's kind of like you always need to be paying attention because uh, at any time something could smack you. Whereas in cricket, there's more gaps. But then if you're really not paying attention, it can end very badly. Absolutely. Um, I can't remember. There's some famous quotes like cricket is 90% boredom, 10% fear. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and they're probably exactly right. Um, I mean, I played a lot of cricket and I was a bowler. So when I batted, I was, I was a terrible batsman. Um, yeah. And, and unfortunately, never got over the fear of the ball yeah. <laughs> hitting me. It's understandable. I think cricket players are like underrated in toughness. Like it, it, it takes some guts Absolutely. to like go up against like a, a top uh, bowler. Like I wouldn't want to. Like, no. It's terrifying. No, not at all. Um, when I went at college, you know, we, um, my school was a very good cricket school. And um, we used to have some you know, overseas players come over. And we used to have, we had, I always remember this chap called Jimmy. He was a West Indian. He was about six foot nine, six foot ten. And he used to come in and bowl. And honestly, I'd almost be in tears in the net. Just, I just want to get out of there, please. <laughs> That's when the hamstring goes or something. Exactly, like, no, exactly, I can't do it today, yeah. lads. Yeah, I've pulled that one before. Uh, <laughs> No pun intended, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, cricket's a good one, and, and I, I'm not I'm not a massive cricket fan, but I no. do remember that 05 series, and that was yeah, pretty iconic. Yeah, yeah. Um, weird as a Scot um, to you know be backing England in that. But I know the Scottish cricket team is so bad; you've just got to find no. someone to back. Yes, right. Like, <laughs> but you've had a good. I mean, um, you know, as as things have gone for you, I think you made the World Cup this year, and that was exciting yeah, just and, about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm more or less. On, I make an exception with the obviously despite the accent like uh every, there's a whole anyone but england thing yes um but yes. i make an exception in cricket there you go really there's there no there's no rivalry to speak of because we are so bad at cricket uh compared to england um but 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 yeah so um back into tech obviously yeah. we, we, we talked about makers um obviously you were like, like we were saying you were on the first cohort um how was that process like picking up programming and then getting into your first job do you, do you want to talk about how, how that went for you absolutely um so with makers academy um i really went in blind you know i, I decided this is what i want to do or give it a go at least um and really i remember turning up on day one still not really sure what that entailed what was i going to do with day one of learning how to code um and i think day one was sort of an intro to git an intro to um the command line and i always remember walking away from day one just in tears yeah. just being like oh my goodness what have i sort of set myself up for here this is impossible you know i was learning basic you know command lines um you know cdls whatever um and it just couldn't get i couldn't fathom in my head how to do this um and it was terrifying and i always say to people when i'm teaching and they're struggling it is a terrifying journey mm. um you know you are not going to breeze through this if if learning to code was easy everyone would do it um but it is so learnable um you just have to persevere and for me 
I think sort of with the maker's journey, it, it was a 12 week course and it was full time. So it was, you know, nine in the morning till six at night. And really you'd be coding in the evenings. Um, and I think for me until maybe week six, I was still lost. Mm. Um, and then suddenly just, you know, by persevering and keep going, I think something just sort of clicked in my head mm. and then learning became easier um, from that point on. So from week six to 12, when you're starting to talk about more in-depth stuff, I mean, the course was Ruby on Rails. Yeah. Um, because at, at the time that was the hot language and people were, you know, it was great for startups because you could build things very quickly. Yeah, it's so quick, isn't it? So quick. Um, and yeah, soon, you know, we started learning Rails at sort of week six and things started to click. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say by the end of the 12 weeks, I was a fully fledged <laughs> developer ready to go. Um, but yeah, definitely if, you, if you'd have told me after six weeks, in mm. 12 weeks, I would have graduated and been able to build applications myself, I, I would have laughed. There's some kind of snowball effect there, isn't it? Where eventually you just hit some inflection point um, where suddenly it just yeah. clicks. And uh, I really relate to what you're saying. Like for me, like the ironic thing is anyone that's worked with me knows that React, I'm the React man. It's my bread and mm. butter. It's what I love. Um, but it took me so long to get to grips with React. I didn't get it for a long yeah. time. I didn't understand JSX and why that worked the way it did. But you just hit this point where you click and it's like, oh, hold on a minute. I just get it now. Same thing with the command line environment. Like that took me so long to understand. Absolutely. And I think when I am teaching people, it's all about making sure that they are staying positive mm. through those times. Um, because it's very hard to say to someone who is struggling, look, you will get through this. Like we, you will start to understand and things will start to click. Um, and then when they get there, they do agree with you. But at that moment in time, it's about making sure that they are supported enough and feel like no we are in this together and we and you can push through this barrier um yeah because I, I do believe like you said you, you know you you do suddenly sort of open the door and and things start to make sense it's just persevering through that time this may be a controversial point for me to make and i'm curious to see how you feel about it i believe nobody on earth is a natural coder nobody's naturally good no. at it it's just everyone perseveres and it might feel like when you're new to it you think everyone else is a natural at this um, yeah. because you're so self-conscious of what you don't know versus what, uh, versus what everyone else already knows. I, I think nobody's yeah. actually a natural, but people get worked up and they think they can't do this. But mm -hmm. actually, everyone's been going through it privately. Like, there's that old saying that I probably modified here where you see everyone else's um, highlight reel, but you see your own blooper reel. Like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think I tend to agree with you. I think um, a big part of learning to code is learning to think like the computer is, like the application mm. is. Um, and I think that doesn't come to many people or anyone sort of instinctively. Mm. Um, you have to, it, it took me a long time to, you know, even when you're sort of Googling what you want to do, how do you ask Google, you know, really yeah. what you're, what you're trying to, what problem you're trying to solve? Um, I think like probably fundamentally, that's one of the biggest uh, barriers to people succeeding is you've got to learn how to think. Again, yeah. you kind of have to take back everything that you've maybe learned at school um, and sort of start thinking as the computer's thinking, yeah. which it, I just don't think is a human trait. It's not. And the funny thing is, like, especially as, uh, I mean, you're not really a career changer as such. I mean, mm. you came through the boot camp yeah. side. But for me, like, I didn't really do humanities at uni. I did business, but it's, yeah. it's on the spectrum of that. And for someone who maybe did do humanities, uh, say so did a, uh, I don't know, uh, well, we talked to politics yeah, earlier. Yeah. Like politics is all about nuance and skill is, uh, academically. The skill is like making a clever argument and like uh, talk, talking about the different um, arguments behind stuff the, uh, in favor or against and thinking creatively and outside the box. Yeah. Um, whereas in computing, you probably don't really want to think outside the box. You want to think sequentially. Absolutely. And logically. And it's really, it's a, it's tough to flip, flip around that way of thinking. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's, it's logical. Like coding is mm. logical. Um, and when when you've been in it a while it's common sense yeah um but of course it's 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 learning those traits and and learning sort of what the capacity of the application is yeah um and really for me it's taken me a long time to understand the differences in coding languages as to why some are better than others yeah. in in certain marketplaces mm. i'm definitely still on that journey myself like, yeah I, I don't i think a major weak point of me like i'm way too focused on the javascript ecosystem mm -hmm. like i'm trying to get better at um other sides of things i mean this isn't actually a question i i um i put on the plan so yeah hopefully course. not putting you in the spot here but um 
let's say the two most popular, I'm sure we'd agree, the two most popular languages right now, JavaScript yeah. and Python. Absolutely. Outside of those two, what's your bet that people should learn if they're curious to pick up another if they already know one of those two? That's a very good question. Um, gosh, uh, what would I say? A lot of what we do at Zopa, um, we write a lot of Kotlin. Oh, okay. Um, nice. And it's not something I've ever really dove into, but the people who who write it um, think it's great. Um, you know, it comes from that Java family. Yeah. Um, and I think... It's commonly used for Android apps, isn't it, Kotlin? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, it, it's a really good question. Um, I think, obviously, mobile development is... It's massive as Absolutely, well, um, yeah. and there's so many frameworks out there now for mobile development. Um, I am a big React guy, you know. Yeah. I do think I think one of the two languages you should be learning you are right is Python and JavaScript. Yeah. Um, or even you know, I sort of get that question. You know, should you be learning JavaScript or should you be learning TypeScript? Um, mm. I still think you should be learning JavaScript first. I agree. Yeah, and then um, TypeScript is a bolt on. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's a good question i don't really have an answer i think in that in that way yeah because i'm not sure either because i mean there's there's rust but then i've heard yeah. mixed things recently about that um solidity as well i mean but i'm worried that would be them biting off more than you can chew if you're mm -hmm. new um so maybe if you're already experienced then it could be worth going down yeah. that route but i agree like maybe like with mobile um could be a good way to yeah go. and i think like you're fundamentally right python javascript yeah. it covers most things for you um and then you should be going out and and seeing what really gets you going um because there are so many languages out there i probably know you know hardly any of them yeah. or even the names of half half of them um but it's about once you have those fundamental tools go out and see what you're excited about absolutely i mean the, the greatest products ever made are often built by experiments you know yeah like i think something that um parodies this but it's also it's a show that you can learn a lot from uh silicon valley you can learn yes. a lot from it but also the way they portray how um richard like accidentally makes a compression algorithm that's incredible just by him trying to make a music app like if you're just messing about and trying out new tools that's an amazing way to learn and you never know what you might stumble upon i, I agree and actually really the reason um, software development was so attractive to me was you can go and build things. Mm. Um, and when I, so after college, I did a year in Australia. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to go and play hockey for a year in Australia. And when I was there, um, I got a job at a, um, a co-working space for a startup. Um, and they were, um, and the job was, go and find us sales, yeah. you know, cold calling. And, um, and, and, that's and rough. <laughs> I have to say, I think I lasted about an hour on day yeah. one um, and I just couldn't do it. But in this co-working space, obviously are all these startups. And I think that's where the inspiration for me came to try this um, because you're all these startups have all these, you know, these um, men and women sat around computers writing code mm -hmm. and it was the first sort of insight into the world of coding and startups and really i got hooked on gosh i could actually learn these skills and then go and build something myself yeah um which i think is what draws a lot of people you know everyone we were saying you know before this you tell people if you're a software developer and they go oh i've got an app idea or it's great <laughs> business idea and i think you know every person on this planet has at one point you know their great idea um and i think people are now realizing actually I could learn those skills 100%. Um, and go and try it myself. Yeah. And that's what I like about, it. I feel like increasingly uh, in this sort of Gen Z there, there um, with stuff like TikTok, I've been quite exposed to what, yeah. what they're doing. And a lot of it is check out what I've, what I've done and there's quick bites of what they're learning. And I, I do feel like this generation is hopefully becoming a bit more digitally native. I was a bit more worried that, um, they would actually be not great at coding because they're so used to everything being so easy. Whereas maybe our generation and maybe even probably actually people more like 10 years older than us um, had to do a lot of the grunt work themselves yeah. with computers. Like, I mean, we grew up in that sort of like, because uh, we're basically the same age. I mean, yes. We grew up in the, in the noughties basically yeah. where stuff was quite advanced. Yeah. Um, but like we had to do a bit. I mean, if you're using computers in the 90s, 
I mean, Ben's episode is a great example of that, where he was talking about how, how he had to, him and his mate had to set up that internet protocol, and oh, he yeah, actually yeah. ran up like, a huge bill on his mum's <laughs> account, uh, like, <laughs> which is, I think, episode 15. I might be wrong on that one, but yeah. worth listening to. Um, yeah, I think maybe I was worried about that, but it seems like actually Gen Z are getting stuck in. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, with the, I'm not a massive fan of the social medias, um, but with um with my company tom teaches tech it's a great way of accessing a lot of Definitely. people yeah. you know there's lots of positive social media um we all know the negatives um but you know i start to get these reels on my social media of, mm. of coding and it's super exciting but i do think there's still that you're right there's that um that thought process of uh learn to code in you know 10 days yeah. um and then and then your life's set forever. Yeah. <laughs> if only um, it was that simple. If only it was that simple. Uh, you know, I think people sell the dream and actually uh, a lot of work has to go into it. Um, but again, it's so satisfying when you do succeed. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be, the tech game is only growing mm. and there are jobs today that there weren't 10 years ago. Uh, and it's starting to be cool you know, like over the last sort of, I think probably five years, it's become super cool to yeah. learn to code and, and have these skills. Um, and that's only going to grow. Absolutely. And um, I mean, kind of related to what we talked about before as well, but now as well, I mean, if you're already established in the industry and there are jobs in 10 years that there aren't now, yeah. but that also means that, you know, we talked about Ruby on Rails. Yeah. yeah. How many Ruby on Rails are yeah. now? Um, how do you roll with the punches and learn new technologies? What, what, what would you identify as good strategies to do with this? Yeah. So again, you know, gosh, I learned Ruby on Rails, um, in 2012 and my first few roles were Ruby on Rails jobs. And now it's dot, the market is dominated by these JavaScript framework, yeah. you know, for front ends. Um, and I don't think there is a, uh, like a, a crystal ball you can look into and yeah, say, absolutely. um, this is what you need to do. You've just, you've just got to always stay on top of it. Um, you've always got to engage with other people who are learning other technologies, um, see where the industry is going. Uh, for Zopa, a few years ago, we, I mean, originally we were a Rails application for our customers. Um, and of course, it, it ended up being this mammoth application. Yeah. Um, and the JavaScript framework started to blow up. Um, you know, React, Angular, um, and we were kind of deciding, you know, which way, which way do we go with this? Do we, do we focus on Angular or do we focus on React? Um, and for a long time, we were trying to come up with a resolution as to which worked and we picked React in the end. Um, and it's probably the, the first time that there's been so much backing for a framework. Yeah, um, they, you know, these technologies they come and go and react seems to have really solidifies itself in the market yeah i wonder if and when it will be killed and what by well, that's the thing um you just never know do you, you it know? must happen like flash Absolutely. died like and that was so yeah. ubiquitous uh, i can never pronounce that word ubiquitous but flash was everywhere and that yeah. died so you know it will go eventually but just when is yeah. it too big to fail? Well, that's the thing. Is it too big to fail? You know, that's what it's, I said about Lehman Brothers. You know. exactly. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. You never want to say it's never, you know, um, going to be around. But it's, it is backed by, you know, some of the biggest tech companies in the world. Um, but there will be something that comes along that yeah. is more exciting. And there are other more exciting technologies out there. Um, but they might not be able to... Uh, handle these massive mm. companies there's the just time. nothing like the ecosystem that react has no. and it's it's the best it, it it is the number one thing that a junior developer should learn really if they want I to get agree. a job it's the quickest way to make an impact if you if you know you want to be an engineer then definitely just pick up react um once you've already learned vanilla javascript obviously yeah absolutely um it is the fastest growing technology out there um, yeah coding language and there are jobs you know you know all over the place with mm. react um and, you know, if you're doing the, the maths game, if you want to get a job, you pick the industry that's looking for the most amount of employees. Absolutely. And, and React at the moment is probably that 
yeah. um, technology. The only caveat I would I would say with this, and it's a bit of a bit of a weird point, um, especially in the age of remote working. But if you're in a market where it, t- it tends to be only on-site roles, then definitely double check that all the companies in your area do use React because mm-hmm. I've given this advice before, and then I've realised actually I should probably be careful here because um, a lot of the time, uh, particularly in non-tech hubs, it's a lot of like Java and C sharp like angular uh yeah. jobs so definitely worth like double checking in your individual market but for the majority of listeners definitely react would be the way to go yeah absolutely um all companies have their own technologies yeah um i don't think any two companies will be running exactly the same tech yeah. stacks so it's it's important to look out and also if you're looking at um you know front-end development then react is where you should be going yeah. but if you are looking down the, the back-end um industry uh, it's probably not where you want to focus so much of your time. You focus more on the Python. Yeah. Python would be, you know, yeah, you talk Python. about languages that have been around forever. <laughs> you know, Python has been around. For I think a Python's long time. Up, Python be older than both of us. I mean, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> and it's a great language to learn. And I think you know, I learned Ruby first, and Ruby was very similar to Python. So when I picked up Python, it was um, much easier because um, a lot of the fundamentals cross over. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've talked a lot about. Uh, what you write in, uh, what time of day you work in, yeah. what music you listen to while you do it, and where yeah. you like to be. Um, but what is actually a typical day in the life of a senior software engineer at Zopa? Yeah, so I think the, the great thing about this industry is no two days are the same. So um, even though you're follow, following a structure with your days, you're never dealing with the same problems. You're always, you know, you're always looking at something else or a different part of the code base or thinking about you know how this product is going to improve the lives of customers um but for me the first thing i've written down is uh, coffee i need coffee <laughs> so the first thing i will do and you know if, if i'm working from home or i'm in the office go grab myself a coffee i will not be able to do any work until i've got my caffeine hit um and after that we then start with a, a stand-up so um you know our team um, at the moment, our team is about 10 people. We will do a stand-up. It lasts 15 minutes to half an hour. You know, we have a catch-up and understand what we've done the previous day, what we're doing today, anything that's blocking us, if anyone in the team can support us with that. Um, and then after that, most of the time, for me, it's about getting down and doing some coding. For I, I think with coding, you need to start giving yourselves a couple of hours at least of real dedicated time to get into the into the tech um so i try and do that at the same time i'm supporting people with prs you know we have some more junior developers in the team uh, sort of in uh the company um and we're there to support their growth and help them improve their skills so we spend a lot of time pr reviewing um and then obviously by that time it's sort of lunchtime we have you know i i do really believe it's important to get up and walk away from the laptop for an hour you know, go outside, have a walk, get some food, re- like reset your brain. If you sit at a laptop all day, you're going to end up not being that productive. Like, well, for me personally, that's what would happen. Um, and then really after lunch, I try and get back down and uh, do a couple of hours of coding alongside meetings. I mean, one of the great things about Zopa, the company I work for, is we aren't just employed as developers. We're employed um, to really think about the customer and uh, to understand, you know, what benefits are coming from the product we're creating. So just as much as I'm coding, um, we're talking to designers, we're talking to customer service, um, trying to really understand the problems our customers are having and how we can improve that for them, which is great for me, especially as I enjoy like the startup culture. I enjoy being able to take something from zero to one, being able to engage in those early point discussions about the product um, and, you know, the best way of improving, you know, efficiency or, um, you know, helping customers who are maybe in some financial difficulty. It's, it's a big part of the job. Um, You know, I think people, I think great software developers, not that I'm putting myself in great software developer territory at all, but I think um, like really great software developers aren't just brilliant coders. Um, they think outside of their remit. You know, they're, they're, they're not there just to clock in, do a job, clock out at the end of the day. Um, it's about, you might be writing some code and actually feel like, I'm not sure this is actually going to improve 
the customer experience that much and then taking that information to you know people who are designing a product and mm-hmm. having a really engaging conversation about it absolutely and um this is a question i've asked a couple of people before but I- i'm quite excited to hear your answer because yeah. this is literally the exact position you were in uh, almost 10 years ago um you're uh, let's say you have an 18 year old relative that's left school yeah not sure what to do but they know they want to get into tech probably a software engineer what do you tell them to do they've got no computer science a level or anything yeah so i think i think if i yeah because at the time that's where i was and i would say that you've got to go out and experiment i think you've got to go and look at all the opportunities that are out there you know be that a front-end developer back-end full stack you know data analyst whatever um and really see what what interests you i think it's an industry where you need to really be interested in it because it's a lot of hard work and if you're going to be putting the hard work in there's going to be days when you need to be able to motivate yourself to do that and the only way you can do that is if you're genuinely interested in that area Um, and i think once you've found that area you then need to um take back to the beginning and start thinking about how do i learn you know and i think there i don't think there is one specific way everyone should learn to code i think everyone has their own way of learning um some people can go right i'm just gonna go and teach myself yeah crack on and um i think that's amazing it's not something i could ever have done um you know they just sort of find some courses they do them online um they don't need to interact with anyone but then for me i need someone to bounce questions off to when i'm really struggling i need someone to come and show me where to look or what i should be looking for um and then once you've worked out how you learn then you can go out and decide um you know am i gonna pursue this and if i am this is the route i should be taking i think you raise a good point as well about um the are you truly interested uh point because uh, someone I follow in the sort of tech talk community, as we call it on, okay. on TikTok, he made a, uh, one of the American guys, I've forgotten his name now, but he made a great video the other day about uh, actually so many people have come to him uh, for him to be their mentor and have said, you know what, I just want to get into tech because of money. It has to be a bit more than that. Like when I was 18, I thought I wanted to be an investment banker. I really don't have, yeah. I have a passing interest in finance. Like I'm curious about how that world works, but I don't love it as much as I would want to do it because it's my passion for a hundred hours per week. I would do it because I want to make a load of money. Yeah. Like, and I needed to, even getting into code, I did have to ask myself that question. Cam, are you just doing this? Cause this is a well-paying industry. Like I, I didn't do that in the end, but you know, I think it's going to be harder for you if, if you're just chasing money, especially cause the money, I mean, um, without actually revealing numbers, I, I've now only now just got to a point where I'm significantly making more money than I did yeah. as a recruiter. And I left recruitment in 2018. So, you know, it, it, it takes a while. Yeah, I think it's very, especially as a youngster, it's very hard to look past the money. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, the older you get and the more you actually are spending, you know, week in, week out in a job, uh, the money is obviously it's important because, um, you know, anyone who says, you know you do it for free well you've got to you know you've got to have a a a lifestyle and um, support people uh but if you are spending that much time and really with software development you are spending a lot of time because you might be coding in a day but you do need to keep up to date with technologies Mm. um if you are doing it for the money you will just not enjoy your career you know you've got to have a a real interest in Mm. you know you don't have to i don't think you have to have an interest in a specific language or be really interested in um, you know, coding itself. But if you if you have a real interest in building things, in um, solving problems, I know it's a bit of a cliche to keep saying solving problems, but um, then it's a great industry to be in. And yes, it is a very well paid industry if you're good at your job. So that comes along with it. But you, sh- I don't think you should ever be making decisions based on just the money. Yeah, um, I totally agree. And um, I was going to say, I wonder if there's a way for someone to dip their toe in the industry and think, is this for me if they don't know that much about it? I mean, could you tell me anything about <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> it's good It's good you ask, Cam. Um, yeah, so uh, with Tom Teaches Tech, our first course we ever launched was an intro to coding. And um, the reason 
I launched this course was uh, a lot of people at Zopa and outside of Zopa, you know, were coming to me and I was teaching them um, just the, you know, the basics of coding. And uh, in the end, it's turned into a course. It's turned into a four week intro to coding course um, where it's for people who have, you know, they, they don't have to have any knowledge of coding whatsoever. Um, it's an opportunity for people to dip their toe in, like you say, um, into the industry to learn some of the basics of HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, and also like data and APIs, um, and really just get an understanding as to whether or not this is something they're interested in. Um, now, there are so many courses out there, so many online tutorials, um, and they are fantastic. I don't take anything away from that. Um, but the one thing they lack is the ability to support people if they don't understand. So, you know, you're listening to a, a Udemy tutorial or something. If what the teacher is saying doesn't make sense to you, you're then lost. Yeah. There's no feedback. There's no, well, hang on a minute. Could you just explain that in another way to me? Um, and with these intro to coding courses, they are live on Zoom. And therefore, only about six people in a course. Um, and they're very interactive. You know, I am teaching the fundamentals of these coding languages. We are coding projects altogether. But if you are stuck, then we take a step back, re-explain it, try and understand how you would learn and give you a bit of a bit more of a path to actually walking away after four weeks and either going, I'm not sure if technology is for me or coding's for me, or you walk away and go, actually, no, I, I'm more interested. I want to learn more. That sounds fantastic because it is a huge commitment and a huge risk to jump into a boot camp or something Absolutely. like a full one. Like I know people that did that and then decided it wasn't for them because it's not for everyone and that's fine. Um, but it's a, such a huge risk to do that versus, and actually, cause my, my course was kind of a boot camp. It was a bit of a yeah. in between. Um, and we ended up in the quite unfortunate situation where there were people who'd self-taught for like a year, like me, a couple of people that had been software engineers in other countries, um, had come over to, um, to adapt to the UK market. And then just a few people that had never even touched HTML before. Um, yeah. and I did just think it was really tough for them. And a couple of them ended up dropping out because it was just too difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, a lot of the people who I talked to, um, they actually come from that background of, I did a boot camp, mm. and three weeks in I quit. Um, okay. because it was so intense. Mm. I wasn't quite sure what I was expecting. Um, you know, in this boot camp, there were like 20 people. Um, and how do you take, how do, how do, you know, there's 20 people in this cohort, but then the teacher's probably teaching two or three cohorts. So we might have, you know, 40, 50 people in there, uh, under them. And, you know, they'll have some support teachers as well, but they weren't getting that personal, um, yeah. feedback. They weren't. You know, I don't think the teachers were so much understanding how each individual student taught was, um, you know, learns best. And the problem with the assistants as well, they're often recent graduates of the program. Yeah, absolutely. They might be able to code, but they'll find they might have picked up bad habits and they will probably find it quite tough to explain why something works the way it does. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and, you know, I think it's important that I'm not saying these boot camps don't work these boot camps work, but they work for a certain type of person. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think they are taking too many um, different types of people who are, who learn very differently. Yeah. Um, and I get a lot of those people who go, look, I, it's almost scared me off ever trying code again. But then we go, well, look, why don't we do some sessions? Why don't, um, you know, I run a coaching program on the side to support people who have maybe dropped out, who need a bit more um, confidence to, build themselves back up to get back into um, learning how to code. Um, and it's really about taking that personal approach with these people. You know, they're, they are investing, like you said, a lot of money in this. Um, and if it doesn't work, um, that's a lot of money down the drain. Yeah. You know, these aren't... Plus the lost income as well, because you have to quit your job. Well, right? exactly. You know, these guys are taking at least three months off, you know, for these full-time intense boot camps. And then, gosh, you, it might take you another six months. To, it can to take a long job. time. Like, I, I know someone who, I have a friend who, I won't say his name, but he it took him 18 months to get special. Yeah. And he's a great developer. Yeah. Like, he's just not the best at interviewing. No. Like, and again, that is a skill in itself. Yeah. Um, you know, tech interviews are hard. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think you can shy away from the fact. And, you know, it is getting a bit insane how many interviews you have to do mm. to land a job. Um, we actually looked at this at Zopa um, and realized that, 
we're doing too many interviews. We need to narrow this down. We need to make this easier, like more comfortable for the person interviewing. Um, and we should, and you should know after two, maybe three interviews, whether or not that person is the right person for your company. You know, you can do six, seven, eight rounds in some places. It's mad. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I obviously have literally just been through this process myself. Yes. And put it this way, I accepted, I accepted a company to turn me around within five days yeah. and we had two interviews. Yeah. Like, whereas there are other ones that we're talking about six, seven interviews, you know, it just didn't make any sense. And it's such a competitive market for developers that if you don't, if a developer's interviewing at three, four places and you have four rounds and someone has two and they give you an offer after two, they've lost that company of us doing it in four rounds. have lost out on what is potentially a great developer. Yeah. Uh, absolutely and um you obviously as well have uh ha- has it launched yet your your part-time boot no well? so because this is exciting this, this is the solution yeah. to the problem this is the solution to the problem for some people so um off the back of running i've run these courses for six eight months now um and people have come out of that course and gone i actually really want to do this this is something i want to do but i cannot quit my job i i, I can't do um you know, three, six, nine months without a paycheck. Um, and also I want to learn at a bit of a slower pace. Um, and I want, and I want to learn in a way that feels personal to me. Um, you know, we can, once you understand that person, we can, um, tailor a course to them. And this is where our part-time boot camps essentially have come from where, um, instead of doing it over three months, we're doing it over six. And, um, instead of it being full-time, it's, uh, two evenings a week of classes and then we do suggest to people that they try and maybe take their hours down to four days a week mm-hmm. and give themselves a full day on a friday where they can work on projects but also um we will be there the whole day for them to get support from not being that we in in the rest of a week we are there as well mm-hmm. but obviously people will be working so you know we have a slack group and um we can jump onto zoom calls all week but the idea is that they can really put some time in on a friday um to to build up to hopefully after six months being a position where they can start interviewing for jobs or which what we're seeing at the moment is companies are actually sponsoring employees Mm. um to do this and then we'll join the company again but as a developer it's a fantastic Um, strategy to get a developer role get sponsored by a company and also as well you mentioned the four-day week thing and this is something that i think is so underrated because um and i said earlier this wasn't a personal finance podcast but (laughs) this is a personal finance point if you take a 20 percent pay cut to go four days a week you're not going to lose 20 percent of your net pay because of how tax works absolutely it's actually like depending on your tax bracket it could be as low as a 15 percent pay cut which can be a a, actually it's worth really considering that exactly and and really um you're taking that cut to invest in yourself yeah um and if after six nine months you then have a role as a developer um that investment has paid off um and the sky's the limit at that point you know it's so i think it's so exciting for people who are joining the industry now as entry-level junior Mm. developers um because it is just blowing up yeah and it's not just money the money's fantastic obviously and like i you know i'm now getting to a point where it's money that i really would have struggled to have made as a recruiter yes. even after 10 years now yeah. with uh but like the um it's not just money it's sort of flexibility like if you if you have kids or something it's yeah. it's an amazing job that you can you can do because it's remote friendly like companies are very forward thinking yeah. uh obviously i touch on remote friendly maybe it's not that you want to spend more time with your kids <laughs> maybe you want to jet set around the world all the time because a lot of companies will let you do it like it's so flexible and it's like you don't need a different qualification for each country you move to like no. if you're a lawyer you're gonna have to retrain each time yeah. even a doctor would have to retrain and the human body's the same right um yeah. but like for us javascript is the same in tokyo lagos new york um trying to name more random cities and <laughs> london and edinburgh yeah uh, so yeah <laughs> absolutely um and you know obviously the pandemic has uh meant that everyone is now you know either working from home full-time part-time um but i don't know about you but for me uh it wasn't a massive jump you know technology like uh zopa were good at you know saying you know you don't have to be in every day before then um because we can do our jobs as well you know, remote as we can in person. Um, but now it has pushed it to a point of where you can go, well, actually, you know, I don't even have to be in the same city if I don't have to be. Exactly. Um, I mean, for me, I'm 450 miles away. Well, exactly. Although I am a, I am actually a COVID native developer because 
um, COVID hit four weeks into my professional development right. career. So yes. it's, uh, yeah, I've basically always been working. Yeah. Uh, four weeks in, yeah. I caught COVID actually fun fact about me. I think I was one of London's first COVID go. patient, well, not patients, COVID, <laughs> yeah. not victims either person that had it. <laughs> Cause I wasn't that ill, but yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it, it is an industry now. Well, it always has been, but it has been pushed by COVID to really being flexible. Um, you know, do you want to travel? Yes. Yeah. Travel, keep your job. You know, do, do you want to go in the office? Yes. Go in the office. Like you don't have to, you don't have to move away from the office. You know, um, I, I, I love going, I, I go into the office, you know, two days a week and I love going to the office, um, because you get to, um, reconnect with the company, reconnect with the people and sort of really understand who you're working for again. But having that, you know, I don't have any kids, but for people who have kids, you know, being able to, you know, drop them off at school and pick them up or, or, you know, have them at home instead of having to take them to nursery every day. It must be amazing. It works so well. I have a pet as well. Like, yeah, I can now realistically have a dog yeah. uh, at some, I, well, I can't in this flat because my landlord won't let me, but you <laughs> soon, <know>. soon, <laughs> soon. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, you know, the options are, are then wide open and, uh, you know, and it's great as well because you can pick and choose. Like you like going into the office a couple of times a week. For me, it'd probably be more like once a month, Yeah, but make more of a day of it. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's, the options are great. And if you, if you do want a five day per week office job, um, they're out there. Uh, it's probably about 1% of the developers that want to do that, but why not? You know, you can yeah. do it. And, um, I was chatting to someone at the company who's quite senior and, um, we're just having a catch up. And openly admitted, you know, actually, when I come to the office, because this was sort of when I was coming maybe once every two, three weeks, um, I don't actually get that much work done. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Um, That's why I said once a month. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You don't want your employer to think you're not doing any work. Yeah. But um, I don't actually get that much work done. But we both agree that's actually not a problem. Yeah. Um, because you might not be getting any, like, tangible work done, but you are re-engaging in the company and, um, you know, getting to talk to your colleagues and also sort of really understanding what you're doing your job for. And then you go away at the end of the day feeling super motivated again, um, which is great, you know, because you, you, you need to still feel connected to your company. Yeah. Irrelevant of, you know, you, a lot of people say, well, I'm just writing code. Um, so why can't you do that for anything? for anyone or any product but really if you really want to walk away at the end of the day or the year and you know say actually i've had a really good year it will be because you're doing something that means something to you mm. it's definitely healthy as well to go into the office every now and yeah. again but um actually any remote workers listening if you want to have a bit of fun um before you meet your colleagues tell half of them you're really tall and tell half of them you're really short absolutely and just get the especially for someone like me who's like five tens so and pretty much bang on average like it's great to uh i i have told a few people i'm six foot six and it's great to see the reactions <laughs> it is true you meet people on zoom yeah. and you get and then you meet them in person and you, you go, don't oh, see my goodness. Legs. no <laughs> you never realize how tall someone is yeah but um yeah it's a lot, a lot of fun to do that sort of thing um and my, my, my final question for you more more uh, going back to your career you yeah. you've been in the industry for a while really interesting story being probably one of the first few hundred bitcoin grads in the world really yeah maybe um, yeah like what what would you change about your career um i mean obviously assuming there was no butterfly effect yes um yeah so i was talking with this question for quite a while and i was wondering what i was going to go into um and you know uh hindsight is wonderful right you know yeah. um i would change a lot of things if if i went back um for me the first couple of years of me being a developer before I joined like a, a good structured company, um, I was kind of just fumbling around in the dark, not sure, um, you know, what, where I wanted to go, what industry I wanted to go into. Um, and my first job of the academy was for a, a very small um, sort of sports betting company. Um, and it was tiny. It was based in Notting Hill. And uh, I joined as my first ever job and there were three developers um and it wasn't a good experience for me um i actually ended up uh not passing probation at this place and um you know it did take a hit to my confidence is going gosh what am i yeah you know, do, do you know what literally the same thing happened to me uh, yeah. i still have such a good relationship with them yeah like one of them came on the code of career okay uh like one of the founders like yeah. but you know it, i had exactly the same thing three developers really small company and yeah. I just built off more than I could achieve. Absolutely. And, and I think with this company, 
Um, I think they were looking for a mid senior level developer at the cost of a junior, you know, Um, and I worked, you know, it wasn't a very well paid job, but it was a job. And to me, that was the important thing. I had to, you know, start earning some money. Um, And when I got uh, laid off, it really hit my confidence. And I was like, oh God, what am I going to do? And actually after that, I then uh, sort of said, right, I'm going to just say yes to anything. Um, And I actually went into the freelance game, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Wow, as a junior. As a junior, as a junior. I went in and um, I was, uh, I got a hot desk at one of the Google offices up in Old Street um, near Shoreditch. And put my flyer up on the wall and said, you know, freelance developer available and um, ended up working again in the sports uh, industry for like fantasy um, oh, cool. football. Nice. And um, and yeah, just said I, w- I was well under experience for this role, but I just said, oh, you know, <laughs> make what? it till you make make it. It you make yeah. it a little bit. And I said, yeah, go on, I'll do it. Um, and I did it and I did it for like six, seven months, thoroughly enjoyed it, but never really grew... Um, sort of my own experience uh, you know I didn't feel like I was still I still didn't know where I was going to end up or what I was going to do and after that when the contract ended I found Zopa mm. and um you know got a mentor and um, had a way more structure to my career and I think if I was going to give any information to people joining I think like a mentor is is one of the best things I think you can have absolutely um find a company but is willing to give you a mentor, but also has a great structure and a great culture about it. There are, and you know, that's, I don't think that's hard to find. I think there are a lot of great companies with a lot of great culture, but they will set you on the right path. Mm. Um, and I think if I had my time again, I wouldn't, I, you know, I enjoyed freelancing, but I would have found a company straight away that was going to be like, right, well, this is what the roadmap can look like for you. Um, we will support you along this journey and we will tell you where you should be focusing your efforts. Um, because I think probably my career probably took maybe a two year hit because mm. I was entering Zopa as a junior after two years of developing where really, I, you know, I feel like I could have been sort of towards the mid yeah. realm if I'd have found that company earlier. Um, but yeah, I just think like that support network is, is so important to anyone who's starting out. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I think as well as experienced engineers, we, um, you know, we have responsibility, responsibility to mentor as well. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if we got men mentored ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a good experience. You can also learn a lot from your mentee because they're, they're the oh, ones gosh. that include up on the best practices because they're new. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> we find um, a lot of juniors who join the companies, they are, um, you know, they're more experienced than you with some technologies because yeah. they've just learned it. Um, they've learned a new version, a new syntax. Um, and yeah, I've, I mean, the reason I've, I am teaching is I love it. Um, I genuinely think watching people succeed is addictive. You, you know, you watch people who are, you know, learning how to code or or they have a small challenge, you know, and they, you know, like they're building a JavaScript calculator, you know, one of the very small things they're learning and, and it can take them a lot of time and you have to support them through that. But when they succeed, you see it in their reaction that, um, they are so proud of themselves and, and they believe that they can do this. And that is such an addictive thing to watch and feel part of. And that's all the way through to mentoring people. You know, I mentor, mentor people who are juniors moving into mid-level roles, you know, which is a very different type of mentoring. Um, but watching them succeed and seeing them like get that promotion, um, I, I like that's what thrills me. And that's why I'm now teaching. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, money over passion, find your passion and the money will probably come with it. It's often the way, especially in tech, Uh, we're very blessed to, uh, you know, be able to often get both, uh, sadly not quite to the point that our American cousins uh, do, but you know, things are, things are getting better in the UK. Like I I wonder if we're number two now. I mean, there's obviously Switzerland's maybe we're number, we're getting to point where we're number three now because the most recent market, the the market, I mean, this whole conversation in itself, but the market has really kicked into a new gear in the last few months. It really has. Um, And, you know, companies are not having the office space as Mm. well. So, you know, they're not spending so much money on that. And, um, you know, it is a market where there is so much demand and not enough supply. You know, there are so many roles available for developers and there's just not enough developers. Exactly. And for people listening and thinking, oh, I wish I was an experienced developer. You know, that old adage, 
the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The yeah. second best time is now. Like, Absolutely. just get stuck in because it's not like this is going anywhere. Like, uh, certainly yeah. not in the next 20 years. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, you know, supply and demand will shift a little bit, but like, it's, it, there's always, I, th- I can't see it really significantly changing no. in 20 years. And those roles might change. But yeah. they will be fundamental tech roles. Yeah, you might be a VR developer instead of exactly. a React developer, but that's still really cool. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, absolutely. And um, yeah, I would, I would definitely say to anyone who's listening, who's going, um, you know, I'm not sure what to do next. Maybe I want to make a career change. Maybe I'm out of school and I don't know what to do. Just try it. Yeah, because it, you could try it for you know, four weeks on our course, yeah. or you could try it, you know, you could watch some YouTube videos or um, do a Udemy course or something like that. Mm. And you just don't know, like it might really spark something in you, but you yeah. didn't know, like I didn't know it existed for me. Me neither. Yeah. I didn't know that like, firstly, I didn't know the industry at all. I didn't really know that this existed, but secondly, I really didn't think of it as something I would be inspired to do. Um, and, and it is, it's changed, it's changed my life um from not really knowing what i wanted to do at all to now having a, a, a good career and very happy in you know in a great company whilst doing things that i'm passionate about yeah and for, for me it's the same thing like I, I was miserable and depressed working recruitment it wasn't for me i felt like i wasn't feeling fulfilled and yeah. now i've been able to earn uh, a lot more money than what i was doing live in a city that uh, i love london but I, i've got to move back up to edinburgh and i, I absolutely love it here mm. and be able to do it remotely and really scratch a part of my brain that wasn't getting scratched before yeah. uh, and that's not to knock recruiters it just wasn't for me yeah. um but you know it would yeah it, it's changed my life as well and it's changed yeah. so many people's lives uh, around the world and yeah join the movement if you haven't already and preferably do it through uh, tom's programs yes <laughs> <laughs> all right cool um well uh we're rapidly kind of getting past the hour mark now, <laughs> no, so I know. Was, was there anything else you wanted to uh, to shout out um about what you're working on um yeah, well, I suppose a couple of shout outs is obviously, you know, come and, you know, have a look at our website, have a look at our, we're on LinkedIn most of the time. Um, it's tomteachers.tech. Um, we are offering these intro to coding. We're also going into companies and teaching employees just um, about their tech stack um, and trying to build an empathy bridge between technical and non-technical roles. So if, you know, you're looking for something like that, please come and have a chat. Um, and if you are interested in, um, you know, a part-time coding course, you know, um, come and have a chat to me, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm always looking to have a chat to anyone, no matter what. Um, and then finally, uh, Zopa are looking all the time for great tech talent. Um, and like I said, I've been at this company for six and a half, seven years and the only reason I'm still at that company is it is a brilliant company to yeah. work for. Um, it is very passionate about, you know, we only employ people who are passionate about helping others. Um, we have a fantastic culture uh, and we're looking to like invest in great people. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, you know, not just in front end development, we have tech roles all across the spectrum. Um, so just have a look. Fantastic. And I think that's a ringing endorsement. All you would have to say is, I'm an experienced developer. I work in the UK market and haven't left this job in nearly seven years. Exactly. Like, that's how you know they're doing something yeah, right. Yeah, there is a reason. <laughs> I would never have dreamt it when I joined. Um, but, you know, I, it, it stood the test of time, you know, in an industry where you can change very quickly. You don't have to stick in a job for so long. Um, the fact I've been there just to me proves it is a great place to work. Fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I just want to thank you as well for uh, making the trip up here. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's a holiday as well, but <laughs> it's awesome to record the podcast uh, in person as well. And I, I hope listeners have enjoyed it as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Cameron. That was brilliant. Thank you. Fantastic. And thank you as well, listener, for tuning into this special episode of The Code of Career live and in the studio, which definitely isn't my kitchen slash <laughs> room. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show and have a great week. Happy coding. Happy coding.